Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here. Now, uh, for those of us in Dallas, we're in this series uh, called Don't Give Up, and it's been a hard week. It's been a hard week. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, the Packers found out last night what a hard week's going to look like. So here's what I want to do. Now, I know some of you don't care, but uh, I think for the sake of the collective group at all of our campuses, I want you to stand real quick, and I want you to just give five people a knuckle, you know, just say, hey, don't give up, right? Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Look around. Find somebody who looks depressed, <laughs> discouraged. Jerry Jones, Dak, we love you. Don't give up. Now, let me, let me be honest. How many, how many could have cared less about that game? And you're just like, this, shouldn't, this doesn't belong in the house of God. <laughs> Can I tell you, you're at the wrong church. And I, I mean, I love God and all that stuff. Anyway, it don't matter. All right, all right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is our foundational verse for this, this series, Don't Give Up. And, and we've faced a lot of challenges in the last uh, two years or so, and, and it's been a challenge. It's been tough. And many of it's, it's not even related to what we've gone through as a nation or a, or a world, but it's in your own life. There have been things, marriages, relationships, finances, job, health, whatever, that has been challenging. And when we focus on those in, entirely, we get a distorted view of the bigger picture. Let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says, this is why or that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, although we're going through and walking through the challenges that we walk through, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Listen to this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we, gaze, we fix our gaze on the things that we cannot see. So when we zoom out of our trouble or our present crisis or whatever it is that we're walking through, and we just understand that the bigger picture is that God is in control and that I'm not going to give up. No, no, nothing is going to cause me to give up on life or on faith or on scripture or on church or whatever. I'm just going to keep on keeping on in my present. And it doesn't mean we neglect reality. It just means that we zoom out and we just say there is a bigger picture here. And I'm not going to fix my gaze on my current situation or challenge or even joy. I'm going to zoom out and I'm just going to see the bigger picture that the greater reward, that the greater reality is that God is in control, and because of that, I don't have to give up. Today, you are in for a tremendous treat, my dear friend. And, and he's not a guest speaker here at Hope anymore. He is part of the family. Mike Foster was here this Friday night doing brain detox for our young adults. Great, great night. And today, he's got a great message for you. And I want you to open your hearts for what God wants to just drop in and speak to you personally and because I believe it's going to be 
a real challenge for you and a real blessing for you. So today, across all of our campuses, would you give it up for my friend, our friend, Mike Foster from San Diego, California, soon to be Dallas, Texas. <laughs> I hope. We'll see. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, man. Ah, thanks. It's good to be with you guys uh, today. I, uh, I have a bit of an agenda this morning, I got to be honest. I, I want to challenge you to perhaps shift some of your thinking about how you see yourself and especially how you see yourself in the challenges that you're facing right now. It's, uh, I was reading an article that got shared quite a bit. It kind of went viral. And the article talked about how the word of 2021 and really just the, the word for this season that, that sort of represents what all of us are feeling as a collective is this word called languishing. And languishing is really this sort of middle place where you're not in sort of this complete depression or brokenness or, or sort of difficulty, but you haven't quite arrived at joy and thriving and fulfillment. And we're kind of stuck here in the middle languishing. And it's so often like if, if, we, if we stay in languishing too long, we're, we're, we're not going to make it. Okay, we're going we're gonna to kind of give up. And so this morning, what I want to really challenge you to do is rethink some of the ideas that you have about yourself, about God, about your future, your past, and especially your present challenges and the pain that you might be in right now. And I love the message of don't give up because it's such a simple one. It's such an easy one. Three powerful words that can radically reshape today. So maybe you're uh, into a few months of your sobriety and it's getting rough and you're being tempted to just break your your sobriety, don't give up. Perhaps you've been struggling to, to have children and getting pregnant and it's been sort of this journey that you guys have been on and it's been very, very difficult. Don't give up. Perhaps maybe you've had your dreams uh, smashed and crashed and just because of what has been going on the last couple of years, all the things that you had hoped for and planned for and strategized for, don't give up. See, all of us are facing challenges. Maybe right now you're like, man, I just wish I could find that special person for my life. Maybe you've been dating and you're trying to find that that right person for you and you're discouraged right now. Don't give up. It's a simple message, but a powerful message that has the, the ability to reshape how we see our problems and see our future. See, one of the things that I do a lot, and I write about this in, in my books and, and help people when I'm, I'm counseling them, is helping them capture a vision of their life and their future that, that basically says that, that our pain, whatever pain we've gone through in our childhood or maybe a messy divorce or some addiction or some, some you know, bankruptcy, whatever the mess and pain might be, that that pain can serve a purpose if it's put in God's hands. That, that our setbacks can really become our superpowers. 
that, that the challenges that you and I face in this season right now, whatever they might be, that they're going to serve a greater purpose. You see, there's something being built up in you right now. There's some, some information, some wisdom that is being presented to you right now about yourself, about life, about others that you never would have gotten without going through what you're going through right now. See, and it's not just that information, that wisdom, that insight, that strength, that resiliency. It's not just for you. It's for you to give it away, to help others, to bring the hope that you found in your darkest moment that you get to now bring that hope to your neighbors and to your workplaces and your schools. See, we, we have a purpose always within whatever pain we are experiencing. And sometimes just that thought or that idea is enough to pull us through the valley. See, you and I have been rescued to be a rescuer. You've been liberated to love. There is a great plan in place for your life. It may, it may not feel that way right now. You may be like, I don't see how this all fits together this just is very hard right now and very dark right now and I'm very frustrated right now and I'm about to give up right now. But don't forget you have been rescued to be a rescuer. God knows the story that, you, that hasn't been revealed to you just yet and so we trust him. See, we are defined by, by God's faithfulness and not our failures. We are not defined by our brokenness or our past or by, by a, a, a divorce or, or some label that somebody has stuck on us. We, we aren't defined by those things. We are defined by God's faithfulness. We are defined by his love, his goodness. I, uh, this week I was, uh, I'm from San Diego, California. I live, live by the beach. And uh, one of the things that we do really well on the West Coast is we do sunsets really well. Now, Dad, you guys, Texas, you do barbecue really well, okay? I know that for a fact. And by the way, I should say, from being from California, there's a lot of things in California we don't do well, okay? <laughs> we, but one thing we do do well is sunsets. And so every once in a while, you know, we have pretty much beautiful sunsets every, every night, but every once in a while you get a special sunset, a sunset that is way nicer than all the others. And it, it's just, when that happens, what people will do is they'll go down to the beach and they'll get out their cameras and they'll just take it in and they'll take photos and, and take videos. And then, of course, we got to post it on Instagram because, you know, everybody's got to see what we get to see and, and be jealous of us. And so we're, we're posting this stuff and taking photos. And so I'm down there. And there's, there's people around and we're taking pictures and the sky is just lit up with orange and yellow and pinks and blues. And it's just like glorious. And then I see this lady standing there. She was a, a bit far away from me, but, but, but I see her and she is not taking a picture of the sunset. She's facing a different direction, basically north sun is setting in the west she's facing north and taking a picture of that and it was just so it was strange it's confusing to me I'm like what why are you facing north all the action is over here in the west like and listen there was some light over there and there's there's some some things over there but really the picture was west 
and she's facing north. And I think we do that a lot in our lives, especially in challenging times. We, we get a perspective and we face a certain direction and, and we're holding to certain values and beliefs about who we are and our future and about what's going on. And we're just honestly facing north when we should be facing west. And when we turn our eyes and fix our gaze and we put our trust in God who is faithful and all powerful and and the, the strength of who he has and what he represents, if we face west, life is just gonna be a lot different, isn't it? You face the sun. You 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 keep your eyes here on the sunset, on the west, on the beauty, on the glory, not over here to the north and missing all of it. Don't do that in your life. Well, there's a story in the Bible that we're going to look at in Judges about a man named Gideon. And I think Gideon was a lot like you and I in the sense that he didn't see himself and he didn't see his problems as being very significant. He believed certain things about, about his story and about his identity that, that God wanted to change and reshape so that he could use Gideon to do great things. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And it says this. Let me, this is the problem. Here's what's going on. Is that the Israelites who had been rescued from Egypt are now in the promised land. But after several years, they've sort of forgotten about God. And they have set up an idol or an altar uh, to this idol named Baal. And they, the, the Israelites believe that, that Baal was the one who was providing for them. You know, helping with their crops, providing rain, providing sustenance for uh, the Israelites. And so they, they set up this altar and that's a problem because they've kind of forgotten about God. And God kind of basically says, all right, if you want to, worship Baal, you want him to be your God, then I'm going to kind of back out and you're going to have to deal with the consequences of those actions. And so we pick up here, uh, verse six, verse, or chapter six, verse one. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he, God, gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Why did he do that? Because they were worshiping this false idol. Verse 2, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So there's this great force of people, this tribe coming into uh, the promised land, and they're, they're basically overpowering the Israelites. So they have, the Israelites have sort of fled to these mountain clefts and caves and different strongholds. Verse 3, whenever the Israelites planted their crops... The Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. So let's take this into modern language. You go on a Costco run, all right? You fill up your basket, and or maybe two baskets full of stuff for the week. Get your food, get your chips, get, what you know, your Diet Coke. Anything you need at Costco, they're going to have it. And you fill up your cart, you, and then you put all that stuff in your car, and you drive it home, and there's a Midianite standing there waiting for you. And he goes, great, thank you for the Costco run. 
I'm now going to take all the food that was meant for you and your family. I'm going to go ahead and take all of that. And not only am I going to take all of that right now, but I'm also going to take your car too. And he drives away with your Costco run. That's what's happening to the Israelites right now. The Midianites are coming in and they're taking all the crops, all the food, all the things that they need to sustain themselves. The Israelites are in a bad situation. Verse 5, it says, They came up, the Midianites, with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. They just decimated it. And they would keep doing this. Now, that they were not occupying the land. They would then leave, but then they would just come back and get whatever they, the food and the camels and the sheep and the donkeys and whatever they needed, they took from the Israelites. So God has a plan. He goes, well, I, I, I love my people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help them and I'm going to send them Gideon. Per, uh, picking up in Judges 6. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in or- Orpah, uh, by the way, I didn't know Oprah was in the Bible, but there she is, I guess. Uh, that belongs to Joash the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So Gideon is visited by the Lord. He is uh, threshing the wheat in this wine press, which is very, very unusual because that is typically not the way you would thresh wheat. Normally you would thresh wheat out in the open, but he is doing it in a wine press to Uh, do it in hiding so the Midianites won't steal whatever he is producing here. So he's kind of hiding, he's humiliated, he's having to do this workaround in terms of of threshing the wheat. And so uh, pick up in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now I love this because here Gideon is just kind of doing his thing. He's probably frustrated. He's got challenges. You know, the Israelites are not in a good place. They're being overwhelmed by the Midianites. It's, it's a struggle. It's discouraged. He's doing this work that, that's, that's tough. And God says, hey, I'm going to start with your identity. I'm going to call you a mighty warrior. And I, I'm positive Gideon at this point doesn't feel like a, mod, uh, a mighty warrior. I bet he he feels more like a scared chicken, right? But that's what God does when he arrives on the scene. He, he says, hey, um, I know in order to do anything through you, I need to get you thinking right about who you are. I can't lay out my plan. I can't tell you what to do just yet until you are really clear on your identity. You see, with our power, we're just weak crushers. But with God's power, we are warriors. See, maybe part of the problem and the challenge that you're facing right now is that you see yourself in a certain way as you look at your challenges, as you look at your future. You're you're seeing yourself as you see you versus how God sees you. And as long as I have sort of, I'm I'm accepting the beliefs that I have about myself, I'm going to probably see myself as a weak crusher and not a mighty warrior. But when God steps in, he's and we listen to him and his truth and what he says about you and I, we can live as mighty warriors. Uh, continuing in, uh, in Judges uh, verse six, uh, or chapter six, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, turned to him, Gideon, 
Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So, so God's saying, hey, listen, uh, Gideon, you're going to save Israel. I know you think you're a wheat crusher. I know you think you're scared and a chicken and insignificant, and, but I got a big plan for you. And then verse 15, I love Gideon's response. Is, uh, pardon me, my Lord. So clearly Gideon has very good manners, right? Okay. Um, but how can I, me, Gideon, save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. So basically what Gideon is going like, how am I supposed to like do this, this great feat, like drive the Midianites out and protect Israel and, and solve this huge crisis in our land? Like how am I supposed to do that? Because I come from a very uh, weak family and I'm the weakest in my family. I'm just a weak crusher. I'm not a mighty warrior. See, here's the problem. God wanted to do something and so he chose Gideon, but then Gideon had to choose Gideon. See, God's already chosen you. He's already said something about you. He's already defined who you are. He already knows your future. He already knows exactly what's going to happen. And I think our biggest blocks and our, our biggest problems is not necessarily the challenges that we face, but how we see ourselves. That we don't choose ourselves. Like we, we feel like we're not prepared for this battle. We don't, we're not ready for this challenge. We don't have what it takes to get through this. And that's just a lie that we tell ourselves because we've forgotten. We're, again, we're facing north instead of facing the sun. We're forgetting about God's faithfulness and we're sort of required, we're, we're, we're um, uh, depending on our own solutions. You see, God's truth is greater than our beliefs. Especially when those beliefs are about ourselves. Let me, let me draw this. I have my little marker here. Here's how it looks. God's truth of what he says about you and his plan and what's going to happen is way more important and way more powerful than your opinions or your beliefs. So let me give you an, just give you an example. So like, I can have a lot of opinions and beliefs about gravity. Gravity's not real, guys, you know. I can fly, I'm sure, you know, that's true. That's what I think. And then there's this thing called truth, the truth about gravity, right? Or I could say, you know, um, I don't need oxygen. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that. I'm good. I can figure it out without oxygen. And then there's this truth about oxygen, and me needing it to survive. So I'm curious, like, what your opinions and beliefs are about who you are. And you're probably very certain about those beliefs. And you're probably very, um, those beliefs have probably been with you for a very long time. And you're operating from that set of a data and opinions. But there's still this truth. The truth of who God says you are. Let's look at this. So here's the problem, as I see it, in terms of how many of us think about ourselves today. We don't see ourselves as a rescuer. We don't see ourselves as God's child. We don't see ourselves as capable because we have all these thoughts that are going on in our head, right? Lots of different thoughts, opinions, thinking, thinking, thinking. And we have thousands and thousands of thoughts. And then these thoughts 
turn into beliefs. And basically a belief is a thought that is repeated over and over and over again. Like thoughts basically, they like grow up and they become beliefs. But then these beliefs become what we call core beliefs. And core beliefs are things that we believe about ourselves. We're not going to have a bunch of core beliefs, but we have these kind of few, let's say three to five core beliefs that we have about our identity and who we are and how we perceive ourselves. It's really about the story of who I am. It's the story you tell yourself about who you are. And so we have these thoughts that grow up and become beliefs. And then we have these beliefs that that kind of become more significant and turn into core beliefs about our identity. And then here's the other problem. We have this thing called the confirmation bias. Confirmation, long word, bias, okay? And the confirmation bias works like this. This is every human being does this is a greatly researched, studied. Our confirmation bias, this is what we do as human beings. Everything that supports our core beliefs we welcome that information. We welcome those inputs. Everything that would challenge those core beliefs that you have about yourself, we reject. That's our confirmation. So we're only looking for things that support our current opinions about who we are and everything else that might say something different, we throw out. That's the challenge of this morning because I'm telling you something that you may not believe about yourself and you're already rejecting it because of the confirmation bias. And all I'm asking you to do is open up your heart, open up your mind to God's truth, what he says about you, what he says about your challenges, what he says about uh, your future and believe that versus your opinions and beliefs. Oh, gravity doesn't matter to me. I don't need oxygen. Or maybe you're saying things like this. Well, uh, I'm not that important. I am unlovable. I am my brokenness. I am my shame. You know, one of the things that I've shared here at the, at the church before is my story. By the way, let me, I want to say this. This is also really important. All of this, typically, all of these formations of your core beliefs about who you are happen by the time you're seven years old. Okay? Most of what you think about yourself today uh, started in childhood and the messages that you got there. So let me share something personal, and I've shared this before. Uh, when I was young, I was sexually abused as a child. And this created a lot of chaos in my life. Had a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of confusion, a lot of shame, a lot of fear. And so as a kid, you have lots of thoughts, lots of beliefs, and these beliefs turned into core beliefs about what I believed for myself. And one of the things I believed about myself and about life was that I'm not safe. And I need to protect myself. I also felt like I, I didn't have value. Because of the experiences in my child, I felt like, like I was just sort of a throwaway. I just a thing to be used. And so I believed that for a very long time about who I was. Another part of my, my history is that I was bullied. I was, I was a tall, skinny, uh, quiet kid that got picked on quite a bit, got pushed around. And so you bring these sort of two things together, there's going to be some core beliefs that are going to need to be examined by Mike Foster, right? 
I need to look about what do I believe about myself? Am I believing what my brokenness says about me or am I believing what God says about me? You know, here, here's, here's the fact. What God says about me is significantly more important than what I say about myself. Right? So you have a narrative, you have a story, certain things that you believe, oh, I could never do that. I'm a failure. Uh, I'm not worthy of love. Mm-hmm. I'm broken. There's lots of things you believe about yourself today. And all I want to do is invite you into seeing yourself not through your lens, but through God's lens. To face you towards the sun. And just like God said to Gideon, I know you think you're a wheat crusher, but you are a mighty warrior. And I've got a plan for you. I love what Isaiah 43 says. It says, the Lord, uh, it says, uh, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? A new thing, new beliefs, new ways to, to, to see ourselves. He says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Friends, this is why we don't give up. Right here, if you believe this is true, why would you ever give up? Because God's saying, I am doing a new thing here. I, I am making a way in your wilderness today, right now. Don't give up. So here's the challenge. Let me ask you, are you a problem person or a possibility person? Are you a person that's gonna wanna focus on the problems? And if you, I, I promise you, if you stay there, and you stay in that negativity, you stay in that hopelessness, you stay in that sort of brokenness and don't see much hope for your future, I promise you will give up. But if you see the possibility and you see the purpose and you see how God can take this setback and turn it into a superpower, you won't give up. There'll be something else driving you to say, yes, there is a better tomorrow. Yes, this is going to serve others. Yes, I'm going to learn all these new things about life and love and strength and what's inside of me. And then I'm going to be able to bring it to the world and help the world. Be a, I'm going to be a heart healer. I'm going to be this lighthouse of hope because of what I've gone through. Period. That's the possibility. Focus on the possibility, not the problem. Let me ask you this, what might happen if we focus as hard on God's faithfulness than we do on our failures? What, what if God just said, hey, listen, um, <laughs> I've got you through all the other problems and challenges. And by, listen, we could have like a testimony time. Everybody gets to share your, the problems that you have had in your life. And guess what? You're still here. You're still standing you're still living. You have survived every problem that you have faced. God's been faithful. And maybe it didn't turn out exactly the way you thought it would. And maybe there's certainly still some, some residual pain and suffering from that. But you're still standing. You're still here. You're still grabbing on the hope. You're still trusting God's faithfulness. Focus on God's faithfulness, not your failures, not your problems. Don't face north, face west. Finally, here's my kind of the, the crux of what I want to say. You bring the yes and God will bring the rest. And what I mean by that is uh, just like Gideon. By the way, Gideon would go and he would, he would carry out God's vision for his life. He would be a mighty warrior. 
He destroyed the altar to Baal. He refocused the Israelites back to God. And then he drove the Midianites out of their land. He believed. Finally, There was lots of resistance along the way. But he believed that he was a mighty warrior. And God was faithful to Gideon. And so really the, the only thing that you and I have to do on this journey, even if you're on the edge of giving up and you're about to throw in the towel and say, I'm done, I'm out, no more, I'm giving up. All we have to do is say yes to God and hand whatever the thing that you've been trying to control or fix or solve, you hand it over to him. And when we do that, our lives get lighter Our worries get lesser. Our hope increases. Our fear decreases because we've put our lives and our stories and our futures in the hands of the one who loves us very, very much. Friends, stop facing north. There's nothing over here. But when you turn and orient your life towards the sun, there's nothing but beauty and glory and good things that await you. Don't give up. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you for loving us so well, for helping us through tough times. God, for forgiving us of our sins through Jesus. And no matter what has happened to us in our story, no matter what has happened to us in our pain and our trauma and our childhood, that the core belief that drives us is that you are good and that you're not done with us. That you are powerful and that you have a plan. And God, we trust that this morning. And it's in your son's name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.